0: Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. How are you? All right. You're looking just, well, never mind. You're (laughs) just glad you're here. We have a special guest this evening. Uh, We introduced him last night, but let me do that again uh, tonight for those of you who weren't in chapel last night. His name is Reverend Mashangu Maluleka. He is the principal of the Nazarene Theological College in Muldersdrift, South Africa. Anybody know where Moulders Drift is? One, two, three. (laughs) Just outside of Johannesburg. Nazarene Theological College is a partner with Nazarene Bible College in preparing men and women for a lifetime of ministry. And uh, he's here to minister the word to us this evening. So with that in mind, uh, let's finish the race and keep the faith. What do you say? Let's say it together. Finish the race and keep the faith. Receive our praise, King Jesus. Receive our praise, Lord of all. Accept all that we bring to you. Give us grace to follow you, grace to be shaped by you, to become more like you. For every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And all of his followers said, Amen. You may be seated.
1: It is a joy to greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a very special place for me. I want to take this time uh, dr. graves to extend our appreciation and our gratitude for sharing willingly sharing with us um, the resources that God has blessed you with we are very grateful for helping us to do what God has called us to do to you and your team and all the students we say And you will translate this one. I'm going to say it in Zulu. You say it in English. bong. He says, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. When I walked in here last night, being here for the first time, I connected. I connected because I... Had met uh, Dr. Phillips and Dr. Graves and uh, his wife. But then I realized that this chapel is called Strickland Building, Dr. Strickland Building. And I remembered that one great man of God laid hands on my head. And said with the authority vested in me as general superintendent of the church of the nazarene i ordain you elder in 1985 in south africa and uh, so i have connections i am connected i feel at home (laughs) it's wonderful to be a christian and it it's a blessing to be a Nazarene because you have family wherever you go. When I prepared this message, I was under the impression that the very same audience that we had this morning will will be part of the audience tonight. So it's kind of a build on towards what where we started and where we are going. I want to talk to you tonight about this fascinating miracle there must be something about this miracle that even though the gospel writers all four of them were very selective about what to record and what to pick up and what to put aside there was something unique about this miracle that matthew thought it's so important and mark looked at it and said i can't leave this one Luke came by and said you know what Mark I think you are right I'm, I'm also going to report on this one and even John said hey you know what guys this there's something about it that I, ca- I cannot finish my, 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 my story without it it is the feeding of the 5000 I'm going to read this story as recorded by Saint Mark It's found on the 6th chapter, Mark chapter 6. And I start reading from verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to their surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That will take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked go and see when they found out they said five and two fish then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. As I've already indicated in my opening remark, there must be something outstanding about this miracle. It is recorded by all four gospel writers, and there are some things that the gospel writers seem to be agreeing on. All of them are in agreement in the fact that this miracle takes place Immediately after Jesus has sent the twelve. Mark takes this time to connect the sending of the twelve to finish the story about the imprisonment of John the Baptist. To those of us who were here this morning, we, we saw how connected the calling of the disciples is to the life of John the Baptist. That John the Baptist was, suppo- was supposed to model or to demonstrate and to show the disciples what it was going to cause them to take up the cross and follow him. And just before this miracle is recorded, Mark comes in and he tells us that the, the 12 has, uh, have been sent out and they have been on a mission. They have been given authority. It's like, you know, the classes are over and now the professor wants to assess as to how much have they become as they were following. Because remember, the invitation was, follow me, I will make you. And this morning we emphasized the fact that he never said, follow me, I will teach you. He, was, he knew head knowledge was important, but he knew that head knowledge by itself was empty. He was not interested just in information, but he wanted to make sure that they get transformed, that they become the message that they're going to preach. And that's very important, especially in our day and age where preachers and pastors are... are, are, are classified based on production. If, if you can build a big church, if you can pull the crowds. And, and then sometimes we get tempted to do things that are not really biblical and Jesus-centered as long as we can pull the crowd. Now, he never said, come, I will teach you. Yes, he taught them. But how did he teach them? He taught them exactly the way he expects them to teach the multitudes, not just information, but by pouring out their lives. Amen. And that's why after they finish preaching, he, he wants to make sure as he, assess, he assesses the, the assignment, he wants to make sure that they were not caught up on the teaching, sharing of information. They come back. It must have been a Nazarene audience because I think it was district assembly time and it was reporting time. And and Jesus, the district superintendent, maybe the general superintendent at that time, is sitting and every pastor is going to report. We want to see how good they are. You know, pastors, sometimes, sometimes when we get, we get hang on on numbers and how big my church is, that's where we commit the sin of ministerially speaking. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you just, you know, you, all of a sudden, you have this power to create people that are not visible. It's not lying, it's ministerially speaking. But as they were trying to do that, Jesus, people have heard about what what God has been doing through these people and Herod has heard about that and Mark takes Herod's story to bring back the truth. Follow me, I will make you. Because, this, you know, Herod starts asking, you know, I hear so much is happening. Uh, people are being uh, delivered from demonism. The sick are being healed. And he says, what's going on? It's, it's on the news. It's everywhere, wherever I go. People are talking about this. And he says, what's going on? Who, who, who is this man? And, and then people started saying, you know, maybe the prophet, maybe so and so, maybe so and so. But it goes down to the, to the, to the fact of saying, it's John the Baptist. And Herod said, It can't be. And then Mark takes that time to finish his story about the imprisonment of John the Baptist. He starts telling us what happened to John after he was imprisoned. And he even goes back to tell us why he was imprisoned. He was arrested for standing for the truth, for being the gospel, for being the Evangelion. He was arrested because his majesty did not like what he was hearing. And then, and then a lesson here, it's taught. Then don't get too excited and sign blank checks. Because that's what Herod did. He got too excited. His daughter was, was, was dancing. And he said, you know what? I'm so excited, honey. Anything, anything that you can ask for. And his wife saw an opportunity for revenge. And, and Mark takes this to say to the disciples, this is what follow me, I will make you, it's going to cost you. Exactly what happened to John the Baptist will happen to those who follow me. That's why later on, he will elaborate on it. He will say to them, when he begins to predict his death on the cross, before he says that, he will say to them, if anyone wants to follow me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's not following to Jerusalem for reigning and becoming king and conquering Rome. It's following to Calvary to lay down our lives. Greater love has no man like this, the Bible says, that a man should lay down his life. And this is what, this is the heartbeat of what God has called us for. It's not about us. It's not about what am I going to get out of it. It's not a popularity trip, friends. It's about the masses out there. It's about people who are dying without Christ. It's the Mashangus, people like me, who were born far from Christ, far from holiness, never knew anything about the the, the gospel of the saving grace of God. It's about people like us. That's why God called you. He called you because people need the Lord. And when everything is done and the song has been sung and everything has been done, the bottom line is how many have found the Lord because you poured out your life? It's not about what you are going to get. I have good news for you. Maybe it will sound bad, humanly speaking, but the good news is it's not about what you are going to get, but it's how much are you willing to give? That's the good news. That's the gospel. Because the gospel is about Christ giving his life. So it's after that, that Jesus wants to take them a step further. He wants to make sure that they have the right heart. The heart of the ministry. He's going to demonstrate that. Remember he said to them, follow me. So they need to follow even and walk this mile. The the district assembly is going on and there is a lot of interruption. Part of it is because the crowds knew that Jesus was there and they 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 are excited about the benefits of the ministry of the disciples. So they keep on coming. And and, and during that coming, Jesus looks at the disciples and he realizes that they were tired and they were hungry. And he says, you know what? And, and, And friends, you need to catch this one. Jesus said, people and their needs are more important than finishing the district assembly agenda. Mm. Sometimes we got so caught up, we get so caught up in the program and the agenda. In doing it the right time, the right way, using the right language, and we forget about people and their needs. And Jesus said, you know what? Let's suspend the district. Hey, I, don't know, I don't know what the general superintendent will feel about this. But he said, you know what? Let's suspend the district assembly and cater to the needs of the disciples. He said to them, it's crowded. You can't even eat. Let's take you on a holiday. It's okay to go on a holiday and rest. And, 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 and I, especially I, need to hear a lot of that. Sometimes, in the name of serving God, we abuse our bodies and neglect our families, and sometimes die young because we don't take time to rest. So Jesus said, "It's holiness to take time and rest." So He says, "Let's take you. Let's take you out, and they were they were they were going to a remote place." where there will be no cell phones, no television, no newspapers, no one to disturb you. But guess what? Some people are too inquisitive. And they see things that they were not supposed to see. So they, they realize that, hey, that, that must be Jesus and the disciples. That must be the guy who laid hands on my cousin and my cousin was healed. I, I need to at least shake that guy's hand. So as Jesus and the disciples were on a boat, these guys were running. (laughs) And by the time they arrived at their hotel or whatever you want to call it, the crowds were already there. Now Jesus, he continues with the lesson. You remember? He prioritized the needs of the disciples. But this time the Bible says he looked at the crowds, he looked at the multitudes, and he did not see them as fishermen will. Because had he seen them as f- through fishermen's eyes, he would have seen a good opportunity to take a good offering, <laughs> empty their wallets, and fill my account. Well, it sounds like a joke. But a lot of done is done in the name of preaching of the preaching of the gospel today right. by hook or crook we attract the multitudes and we use the right words to empty their pockets fill our bank accounts and send them empty now jesus the bible says when he looked at the multitudes he had compassion on them right. Right. and friends Let us not leave this place. Let us not graduate. Don't say yes to your first church until he has planted in you that compassion for the multitudes. Otherwise you are not ready to go. Don't go before you have the heart. Because you need that to do what God has called you for. He had compassion on them, and he he had just promised the disciples a holiday. And guess what? He says, No. On second thought, I think I'm going to change plans. We'll forget about your holidays. People's needs are more important than your rest. You go on and rest, but I'm busy meeting the needs of the multitude. And thank God. Thank God, it is during that class time, during that lecture, during that modeling of the heart of God that they caught the lesson. And they came to Jesus and said, you know what, Jesus? I think I'm beginning to see what you have been seeing all the time. And Jesus says, what will that be? And they say, check your time, Jesus. This is a remote place. The very same thing that you saw in us when you sent us on the holiday, we see in the multitudes. They are hungry. And this is a remote place. So send them home. Okay. So the, 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 the first part they got right. They saw the needs of the people. And they spoke about that. And they said to Jesus, Let's do the right thing at the right time. Send them home so that they will buy food for themselves. And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, well done. You identified the needs. So you are beginning to see the crowd through the eyes of the master. Praise God. But you still need to go a step further. Because from what you have said, you are saying, we saw the needs, it's a genuine need. It's genuine because the place is remote. There are no shops around. But you know what, Jesus? And, I, and I, I, I'm tempted to think that there were a bunch of good, sanctified Nazarenes. Because you know, they, they, what, one other very important mark about being a Nazarene is to be budget-oriented. And that can be a blessing and a kiss at the same time. Because sometimes it helps you to be a good steward of the God-given resources. Praise God for budgets. But sometimes budgets can limit you to serve God. So they are saying, Jesus, we see the need, it's a genuine need. People are hungry. We are it's a remote place, but guess what, Jesus? It's none of our business, it's not in our budget. So you send them home. For them to see what to do about it and Jesus looked at them and said hey you just spoke like fishermen remember John the Baptist has given his life for the needs of the people this is how we do business in the kingdom we don't identify the need and come and say it's none of my business in fact, the kingdom business works in this fashion. God will never show you something that He has not empowered you to respond to. He is not in the business of frustrating us. If He knows that you, you have nothing to do with it, He will let you walk past it and you will never see it. But once He arrests you and He lets you see it, it's because you have to provide the solution. Mm. Mm. it's good news even though it doesn't feel good he, he, every time you see if you are a musician if God has, has created you and built you up to be a musician if there are problems with the music in the church you are the first one to see it I, I, don't, I don't pick it up because I'm not a musician I get blessed because at least there's some singing going on and you, you go around and say you know what We we could do something about our choir. Because you see it, you fix it. Anybody home? (laughs) Yeah? You see it? Jesus turns back and said, I'm glad you saw it, but you know what? You are going to give them something to eat. And being good Nazarenes, you know, good good Nazarenes sometimes don't think, kingdom they think dollars you know how much that project is going to cost how many times have you heard that in our church church board meetings the danger of, of overdoing it it's when the budget and the cost determines the future It's supposed to be the other way around. God gives a vision and resources will follow a vision. Yeah. But you see, that's not what we were taught at school. Mathematically speaking, no, we want proof. We want resources first. So immediately the disciples, you will think, these fishermen have been in the business. They know how to calculate cost. Never mind, they didn't have calculators. But they said, some, somebody said, you know what, Jesus, I've done my homework. You know how much it will cost us? I've, I've, you know, just roughly speaking, I've looked at the crowds. It, you, you, know, you know how much an average man gets paid here in, the, in, in Colorado? It will cost us eight times his salary, eight months' salary, to give them not enough but something to eat. And then he goes around and he says, and you know it's not within our budget. In fact, we, we have a lot of things to take care of. Now, talking about prioritizing. They are saying, our church needs, paint, the painting of the building, it's more important than meeting the needs of the people. God calls us not for programs, but for people. Let us not forget that. Sometimes we brag about the massive church building and you know how much it cost us. You know how much sacrifice. And yet the people are dying around us and they, their needs are not met. They sleep hungry. They walk naked. Let me tell you something. When you come to the judgment, those who will be on the left side and those who will be on the right uh, hand side will not be de- that will not be determined by how much budget they were working with and how big and massive a church building they built. In fact, when Jesus comes, he won't take buildings with him, he will take people to Glory Land. Amen. It will be those who saw me hungry, those who saw me naked, and those who saw me imprisoned and came and see me. Those are the people who responded to human need. Let us not forget that. Because it's important. That's why it arrested all the four gospel writers. They could not run away from it. Because this is the heartbeat of what it's all about. After the assignment has been handed out, and after we have graduated, and after we have been seen to be the great students, the bottom line is, how does your diploma, how does your degree, your, your, your BTH or your PhD or whatever, how does it help you to do the most essential thing? Respect. Providing divine solutions to human needs. That's the bottom line. You give them something. And this is what I like about God. He will never frustrate you. Because you know what? Whenever he plants a burden in you, he does that because... Resources are within your reach. I I tell my people that. I said, you know, God, every time he he works like that, he takes what is available. To Moses he said, what is it that we have in your hand? To the widow he said, it was the oil, the little oil. To Moses it was a a stick. He always takes what you have. And, And here he took the loaves that they had, and the fishes that they had. And he met the need. He will always, in fact, what God wants to use to change people's lives around you. And I have one more good news. What he needs, you already have. Just go and look. It's not far. It's not far. You already have. It's only that you do not know that you have it. That's why when you come and say there's a need, he will say, What are you going to do about it? Father, we take the challenge, we respond to the message. Make us who you want us to be. May we not miss the lesson. May we sense the heartbeat and the essence of the matter. May we not go into the ministry on an ego trip to become great people, recognize popularity trips. But may our lives be willing to be poured out For the sake of our brothers and sisters. In your name we pray. Amen.
2: Last year I had the privilege of being at Nazarene Theological College preaching at their commencement rubbing elbows with their faculty members and their students. Dr. Phillips presenting to their board of trustees and uh, The partnership that God has granted us to have with NTC is a very special partnership. I think you can see the heart of the president of their college tonight, the passion that he has for our Lord. Um, This morning after we invited the faculty and staff to gather around President Malaleka, and uh, I would like for our students to have that privilege tonight that we would pray for him pray for the students of NTC God is just using them I heard this day at lunch how how their graduates are going out and God's using them across South Africa and other countries God's doing a good thing, you know that? If you watched the news all the time, you read the newspapers, you'd think the battle had been lost. But you know what? They are clueless. They don't have a clue. They're so out of it. You're going to hear when when the world gathers on Sunday night here in this chapel, you're going to hear you're going to hear how we shoot speak and the things that God is doing in the horn of Africa it's 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 the book of acts being lived out in our lifetime you know it doesn't make the newspaper the world doesn't want it we know <laughs> you see the victory has been won We're just waiting for the celebration.